Welcome to Suicide Buddies. Before we get started with the episode, I just want to say, Hampton and I joke around on the show a lot about suicide because we're very comfortable with it, because we've thought about it a lot and dealt with it in our families. We're not making these jokes to make light of depression itself or the act of suicide. So just please know that while you're listening, we're on your side. We're doing this to help. And if you really are suicidal, if you're feeling that way, please, I can't urge you enough, call 1-800-273-TALK. It's the National Suicide Helpline. They're there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're amazing. They will talk you through it. You do not need to do it. Stay here with us. Glad you're alive. Slow roasted comedy. This episode of Suicide Buddies is about when I killed myself <laughs> at the beginning of the episode. Right now, I think uh, is I think, that. Are you playing the Roseanne album? Yeah, <laughs> that's her on harmonica. Uh, she, the, her, you know, her kids played the jug band. <laughs> yeah. No, what did you get this from? What is this? I just ripped it off of YouTube. Ooh. Yeah, you're allowed to do that. This is we're allowed to legally play this as long as we because make fun of it. Because she's such a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. It's educational, yeah. There's a racist clause in copyright law where if you're racist, you're allowed to just make fun of them and steal things from them. Oh, yeah. No, totally. <laughs> that happened when Obama was president. They keep trying to overturn it now. <laughs> Because you can be racist now. I don't know if you know that about America, but it's legal to be racist again. <laughs> yeah, um, well, that was the one bit I had planned. <laughs> okay, great. Well, that's the whole episode then. Hey, welcome to Suicide Wait, maybe it's Buddies. Still funny. Maybe it's still funny. Yep. Yeah. Still pretty funny. All right, keep it playing the whole episode. Um, I wonder if anyone on the Roseanne cast ever committed suicide. <laughs> Uh, what's the name of the little boy? PJ or D- <laughs> BJ? <laughs> the PJs. <laughs> it was the PJs. Yeah. Well, which hey, is funnier? The BJ? PJs. Put your PJs on. <laughs> Go to bed. <laughs> DJ, put your PJs on. <laughs> Give me a PJ, DJ. Watch the PJs with me. <laughs> put your PJs on. We're gonna watch the PJs, DJ. It's funny. <laughs> I, there was one sitcom where uh, I would love it if the cast of Roseanne loved the PJs. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely don't. We now know. Now we know <laughs> that when they were watching the PJs, they thought they were watching Planet of the Apes. Ah, <laughs> oh, wow. What an odd way to go about being racist. I know. Doing a sci-fi movie poll for no reason. Dude, yeah, her that racist tweet was so crazy because it's like the style of racism that they had like 700 years ago. <laughs> Monkeys. What the fuck? I mean, I guess like it's all awful, but good lord. I mean, white people look more like monkeys. <laughs> yeah, they do. Well, I mean, the new the new brand of racism really is just sort of be like, no. What do you mean? I <laughs> I have black friends. I just don't allow them to have a job or live in my neighborhood. <laughs> That's like one hundred percent what Trump was saying. Like when he was like. Making black people not live in his in his uh, apartment buildings. 
Dude. Like his reasoning was like so fucking awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, I employ black people. So what if I don't want to rent to them? Like, yeah, they just, I don't want to see them or, <laughs> you know, allow them to live anywhere where they can get uh, fresh produce. <laughs> 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 this is a weird grocer. <laughs> yeah, totally. What? What? It's what I do, uh, guys? This is Suicide Buddies. I'm your I'm your host, Hampton Yunt, and I'm your co-host. I'm your sidekick. Side demoted down to sidekick. <laughs> yeah, totally. Dave to the Ross. <laughs> Dave to the Raw. To the is my middle name. No one knows that. That's why <laughs> Attila to the Hun. <laughs> uh, every now and then, someone will be like Dave to the Ross, huh? Wow, appropriating black culture, huh? Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, Dave to the. You know, it's like uh, a okay. 80s yeah, hip hop thing. I guess by all, that measure, all music is co-opting. <laughs> well, like, it black is culture. absolutely. Like, I guess by that, yeah. you know. Yeah, All good music funny. absolutely is. <laughs> I fucking love there was a thing that somebody had tweeted that was like, by the way, guys, this is a podcast about suicide, blah, blah, blah. And history, blah, blah, blah. blah. Anyway. Uh, you're sad. I'm sad. We all scream for we're sad. <laughs> <laughs> the ice cream man going through the neighborhood on the megaphone just I'm sad you're sad we're all gonna die there's no god anyway I have those ninja turtles pops <laughs> they're a dollar like, yeah! there's no god <laughs> we joke around a lot about suicide on this podcast because guys we've been there we're doing it at N- the end of this, this isn't episode. a podcast where we're like your pain lol <laughs> we validate yeah. It's, pro- it's predominantly our pain, LOL. Our pain, LOL. R-O-F-L. <laughs> R-O-F suicide. <laughs> Rolling on the floor, killing myself. <laughs> That's so tight. That will be in, R-O-F-K-M. Like, in uh, internet speak inside a, inside <laughs> yeah. a year. <laughs> yeah, totally. Everything's getting depressed. Yeah, everything is getting depressed. Everything... Hit it. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Everything is getting depressed. <laughs> <laughs> and you will know us by the trail of killing ourselves. <laughs> it's weird because it was already a trail of dead. Don't make fun of them. They're great. Are they great? I've never once heard a song. They're amazing. Are they? Yeah, they're pretty decent. Cool. They're dude. okay. You they know sound what? I like just one, like, I like the one killers. Song. <laughs> 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 yeah, just like the killers. Did they and you know and you will know us by the trail of dead. Did they have that song? Uh, so you had a bad day. Is that is that them? Yeah. They, no, actually, I think there's a somebody once had a bad day. Bad day. <laughs> it's been one week since I had a bad day. Doctor at the silence. In the afterlife. That song? Holy that shit. That was the squirrel nut that, zippers. I played that the other day for Georgia and she was <laughs> visibly like shakenly bored. <laughs> oh sure. No, it's a boring song like, for no, boring this people. It was a big hit. <laughs> it was a big hit. It's a big hit for me. I remember, man, back then I was just I was just rocking the squirrel nut zippers and the cherry popping daddies and big my, bad voodoo daddy. Wearing my big suits. You know, yeah. I have my chain chain wallet. Yeah. And you know, I'd go I'd go whistle at the girls. <laughs> and I'd be out in the corner flipping a corner. Uh, yes, Taylor, this is a great suit, but do you have it in extra, extra large? And they're like, eh, but sir, you're a medium. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm a big bad voodoo daddy. <laughs> I'm trying to be ridiculous. <laughs> 
I like my suits loose and my pussies tight. I think that had it something. Was, I'm to sorry. With like carrying knives or something in the day, huh? It had like wearing the big suits or something. They carried knives. I think it was for that. So you couldn't see the knife in the big couldn't suit. Couldn't see the knife. Yeah, it totally. also made them really hard to search for. You need to know two things about my band. <laughs> We play swing music. We, we love voodoo. And we are all characters dad. in Dick Tracy. Here's what you need to know about me. I'm into voodoo, and yes, we're all dads. <laughs> Some of us are larger yeah. than the average man. All of us. Actually, all of us except the guy who plays the trumpet. He's pretty small. He's more of a small, good voodoo daddy. Small Christian daddy. Small Christ daddy. Uh, oh boy boy great riffs, uh, here's Dave. a fun yeah <laughs> we'll really die at the end we always know that a riff is bad when aristotle's not laughing <laughs> and it does happen if aristotle well, no, 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 please the levels we're not trying to put you on the spot aristotle please continue to be uh uh fair you know Balance. don't lie to us about what's funny what was really funny about this episode is we were just about to record and hampton was like "Ooh, hold on and then he uh and then he went into the kitchen and he came back with bananas and set them on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, all right, ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's that weird, dude. I, need, I mean, I need the potassium. I haven't eaten today. Uh, to put out this level of I was I truly happy that you brought the bananas out. I just wanted to make fun of you because I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think that shit was bananas? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, this sunscreen is called Beach Defense. That's what it's called. <laughs> Defend the beach. I like this Dave. The Dave who just picks up things in my apartment and starts riffing on I didn't it. think it was going to be funny, but it's called Beach Defense. You haven't eaten today. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, and well, Hampton's, maybe we should. Hampton Smokehouse. We do it right. <laughs> we play each each meal at Hampton Smokehouse. <laughs> we play them the Roseanne theme song. <laughs> we make sure your steak. Come on down to Smoke Zan. <laughs> Okay, I'll Man, go home. She's shredding. That was horrifying. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll pop open a, a banana. Yeah, a crack a banana open. Uh, you know what? I'll I'll crack two open, Dave. <laughs> I, here's the deal. I um I'm the asshole today. I uh, I I woke up at twelve twenty and we were recording at noon. And what happened was I uh, went to bed at midnight. And uh, so I didn't set an alarm because I thought, oh, there's no possible way that I'll sleep till 1220. Hampton has two bananas in his mouth. Oh, my God. <laughs> the bit was worth it. <laughs> I have to take a photo of this while we're recording. Oh, man, this is so wasteful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my fucking God. This is so bad. Right, I'm getting the double potassium <laughs> that a normal person gets, and I spend less time. Hey, by the way, uh, since you know I'm the asshole now, uh, come to my little tour that's coming up in two weeks. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. You should probably uh, load up on potassium. Yeah, I'm going to need to load up on potassium. Where, um, where are you going to go, man? Where are you I, um, I have a weekend in Denver. I'm doing shows in Colorado Springs, Fort Collins, and Denver. And then I fly back, uh, and I have a day off, and then I'm doing a run through the Southwest. It's like... Phoenix, and then I haven't entirely knocked it down. Still, I'm doing this last minute, but I'll I'll probably be in the El Paso area. I'm in Austin for like five days. I'm headlining the Velveeta Room. Oh, tight! And then I'm doing Denton, Texas, Bentonville, Arkansas, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and then maybe another show or two. And I'm coming home. Denton, Denton, <laughs> the best death metal, the ever. best ever death. I'm gonna be the best ever death metal band to come out of Denton. <laughs> 
Um, you. <laughs> I'm excited, man. You. Denton. I was talking to Denton guys. They have like, um, it's like a newer scene, but they're like, they've been like building these shows, and they have this show at this place called Harvest House that a shitload of people come to. It's apparently really fun. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to do it. And Bentonville is a little town near Fayetteville, suburb of Fayetteville, uh, the megalopolis, Fayetteville, <laughs> Arkansas. <laughs> Um, Fayetteville And I've heard about there too I've heard that it's super fun So yeah I'm stoked What jokes are you gonna do? Oh you want me to do them now? <laughs> I'll, I'll wait till t- t- the p- p- potassium is coursing through your veins No man I wanna do this whole show with the banana in my mouth <laughs> Welcome to the banana buddies We stalk each other's stick. <laughs> well I gotta say you're, you're eating one banana Is more homoerotic than my mouth crammed with two bananas What do you mean? <laughs> Playful lick, <laughs> couple playful. I'm, licks. I'm licking the tip of the banana right now. That's what's happening. I don't understand what's gay about this. <laughs> Actually, nothing. Right, you bigot. I guess it's not. It's <laughs> <laughs> I just like to flip it immediately on you. I guess it's true. It's not necessarily know. gay. It's just sexual. <laughs> Yeah, hetero people can blow guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see what your fucking bigoted uh, concern is. Some women have dicks, is what I mean. <laughs> Actually, yes. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, dude. Uh, will you be around uh, June sixteenth? Uh, no. I'm having a party. Ah, for you. Damn, <laughs> it's a birthday party. <laughs> Happy birthday, darling. We oh my god, very, I very, was wondering very, very, very much. Hampton is quoting one of my favorite songs of all time right now. <laughs> it's called "At the Bottom, bottom of the of Sea," every, at, at the, the very bottom, bottom of, of everything. Yeah, yeah. By uh, I didn't mean to, but it just I started doing the words, and I was like, well, might as well uh, slam dunk this. Truly. <laughs> Uh, the album I'm Wide Awake It's Morning by Brad Eyes is one of the greatest albums of all time. And I, that's one of the first things he says. I basically mm-hmm. did the like boom shakalaka slam dunk of indie references. Just totally, now. dude. Uh, mail it away in the postal service. Where are we going? <laughs> We're going to a party. It's a birthday party. It's your birthday. Happy birthday, are you darling. You're stealing my fucking we bit. We love you very, 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 very much. Dude. And then he started humming a little tune. That's how I and it went a little like Dude, this. <laughs> Do your own one, jokes. One, two, one, two, three. Man, he has he has the wimpiest voice of oh, all time. It's crazy. Yeah, I remember uh, my girlfriend in the rain had started tapping in college on the window near my bed. <laughs> like she was like, he's like the one guy I get to have sex with if it ever comes up. <laughs> like I was like, who's this guy? And this then, is like, not gonna come up. And then, <laughs> <laughs> if it did, though, I'm pretty sure he would have sex with you. He likes Con- sex. I've heard Connor Oberst's uh, dick just looks like a sweater. It's just a pile of a sweater. There was a loophole in my dreaming, <laughs> so I got out of it. Eh. <laughs> Whenever he goes high, it's just like it. Eh. Morning. <laughs> Dave got out of his bed and he had something on his head. <laughs> oh, this is hard to write a song. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're just, it's like you're trying to explain something to a mouse or something like as quietly and delicately as possible to just be like the hat you wear on your head. <laughs> yeah. Came out of my bed. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a good rhymer. I want to see uh, Connor Overs just doing like, uh, you know, rap battles. <laughs> Dude, oh man. Uh, I, it really is so, it, I mean, it's beautiful music. Oh, and yeah, he is I love like it. such a, 
like a truly poetic person, but it's like so over the top. I think a similar oh, yeah. thing about Kurt Cobain a lot of the time. Also, he's got, from what I hear, like I know somebody who's like worked with him and there's like the ego is like through, Connor Overs. through the roof. Yeah. It's sure. just like really hard to deal with. But it's so funny. Does, it's, it's, like, it's really hard when at 21 you were called the next Bob Dylan. Yeah. By oh, Rolling totally. Stone. <laughs> yeah. He was in a band with Tim Kasher from Cursive at 17 and Tim was like 30 something called Commander Venus. Also pretty good. I like stuff. Cursive. So. Cursive's great, dude. <laughs> yeah. Connor Overs lyrics are always, are always just like. Um, they put on that jacket <laughs> that used to be yours. <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps going. He's like, I put on some pants that used to also be yours. <laughs> yeah, totally. Then I, I put on your bra that was <laughs> definitely yours. <laughs> I hung out with your father. And he was never yours. I I kissed <laughs> I kissed your new boyfriend. I totally get it. <laughs> That's kind of the subtext of all of the songs. 1997, you were mine, and then you left, and now the only thing I can hug is an apple. (laughs) Guys, when you're alone, hug an apple. (laughs) A big apple. Hug New York. Um, who are we yeah, talking about was, this week, bro? That was the oh oh yeah. I guess we should, uh, should just get into well, it. Well, whatever. We can keep shitting on Bright Eyes. <laughs> it's a it's probably a good. I idea. think we could. I think you I know? think it's a good idea to move on from Rage Against the Machine and what? start shitting on Bright Eyes. You all know what the time. I say? Let them live. Let them yeah. live. Don't kill them. Let them live. Oh yeah. You know, just near death. We fucked up, Connor. Oh, let but him let them live. Let them live. I don't know, man. I think that I'm excited you to wanna... shit on Connor every episode now. <laughs> All right, all right. Um, we're doing uh, a French chef uh, who uh, killed himself in 2003. His name is... Uh, uh, it's Freedom Chef. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be great. Uh, his name is um, uh, Bernard de Loiseau, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to be great. The guy who's like, bam. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, uh, he wears, uh, you know, he's on the Boyardee. He's oh. got a big uh, he's got a big hat. He's one of the Boyardee guys. <laughs> he's one of the guys that made uh, one of the fucking uh, coven of chefs who made Chef Boyardee. <laughs> Chef Boyardee wasn't just one guy. That's a, that's a lie. Dave, he's like Shakespeare. You and your fucking conspiracies. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was a bunch of Fred chefs in a it's bunker. It's one guy. It's only been one guy. Hampton, I fucking swear to God, dude. You no, do this all, every week, No, man. they keep Chef Boyardee in a prison. Oh, yeah, he deserved and it. He you see The Rock? All of the all of the Boyardee. <laughs> the Rock is about Chef Boyardee. <laughs> yeah. We uh, have to free Chef Boyardee from the wall. <laughs> or is Boyardee no, being played by Connery? Sean Connery's character is based on Chef Boyardee, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's even better. He was an alcoholic. They locked me away from making pasta. <laughs> Losers whine about the best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> and make ravioli. I love that he says that in that movie. It's like, Want some spaghetti? Scotsmen don't have proms. What an odd... Perhaps <laughs> some angel hair. He just lists it. Um, this is going to be a culinary episode. We do a little bit of a deep dive into uh, French Nouveau cuisine. More like cutinary. Because <laughs> he cut himself. <laughs> We'll be back. Doesn't matter. 
Patreon. Patreon. Yeah, that's a good way to promote it. Good. Yeah. yeah, that was good right there. We Patreon. really don't need to say much more. Guys, uh, we do have uh, bonus episodes at uh, patreon.com slash Patreon buddies? Slash suicide buddies. <laughs> yeah, go to patreon.com slash Patreon. It's a great way to uh, support us, support <laughs> the podcast. Uh, we get to pay people. We get to make stuff. Like, you know, it all, we get it all helps. We pay people. <laughs> we pay <Ourselves>. Aristotle. <laughs> <laughs> we pay ourselves in Aristotle. Patreon. Pay, pay, Patreon. Pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> Also, if you just want to send us money, uh, I'm good at marketing. I'm good at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like at what point is it just like liberal arts begging? Yeah, all of it is. All of uh, comedy get on, is. Get on Patreon to support my Kickstarter. We're doing a GoFundMe for LinkedIn. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, welcome to LinkedIn, buddies. Um, it's basically the same thing, except uh, the people we talk about who killed themselves sort of knew each other. <laughs> <laughs> if I get one more LinkedIn request, I'm going to go myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Patreon. Pay, pay, Patreon. Well, that's basically what happened to uh, Bernard uh, Loiseau. Yeah, he signed up uh, for our Patreon and he was like, I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you just uh, like, are you, do you cook? Like, do you have any interest in it? Look, man, I've been trying to get into it, but I just really don't have the time. <laughs> Dave, you got you gotta get into cooking and eating. I oh wow oh I can't even believe you brought this up. Uh, this is so not cool, dude. Um, uh, I most days I make myself breakfast, mm-hmm. so I've gotten pretty into cooking breakfast foods. <laughs> but those are really easy. No, I don't know much about cooking. Every now and then okay, I'll be fine. I'll try, and uh, it's fun. I love it. But I just don't. I don't know. Hampton's tips to weight loss. Get up at 5 a.m. Make your own cereal from grains out of the field. <laughs> make your own cereal. Then make your own CrossFit. Breed a cow. <laughs> and then milk its birth, its children. Yeah. Oh, man. This is a great way. Basically, all like of your day. going through be- the country, man. Have you ever had yogurt that came straight from the cow? <laughs> <laughs> straight from the strawberry cow. yogurt. What's straight wrong from with the your... horse's mouth? <laughs> What's what? wrong with your cow? <laughs> what do you mean? If you squeeze an udder, yogurt comes out, and then you have to leave it sitting there for it to become milk. You didn't know that? Wow. You just leave it there. Isn't that a funny? Like that's your job. <laughs> you just leave just, it there. I just leave the milk out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm the guy that makes what? yogurt. <laughs> he, he just started off as just a forgetful guy, <laughs> and then he invented yogurt. And people were yelling at. Him. He's like, oh, I guess I'm a genius. I walk out to the barn. <laughs> there and I see yogurt. my friend Bill. <laughs> Bill's a cow. I don't know how, <laughs> but that's where I get my milk. That's Farmer Oberst Oh (laughs) Nice Nice Wow send that character off to SNL His name is Bright Thighs (laughs) Hear me out Hear me out Bright Thighs Come on we gotta do something with Bright Thighs Tight guys Tight eyes Two tight guys Jojo died. Not great. Yeah, what's uh, wrong with your cat? Gonna, my cat's gonna keep making noise. Just one second, folks. It's okay. I'll vamp. Um. So this my one cat time, hates it when he wow, can't shit. I didn't even get to tell that story at all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jojo. Uh, sorry. I like your bandana today, Jojo. 
We should post a photo of JoJo so people know what the fuck we're talking about. I posted like one or two. Well, we should post more. He's wearing like a Mountain Dew neon green bandana. He looks like a, you know, a <laughs> gang member in a Batman and Robin flick. Yeah. Joe, he looks like the Riddler's cat. Like yeah. always, yeah. he actually looks like the Riddler's cat, but now that he has a green bandana. It's so cars don't hit him. We let him yeah. outside. He's an outdoorsy. We should, we'll call him the diddler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's funny because it sounds like jerking off. That is the best Batman villain that never made it. <laughs> well, Batman, you'll never catch me. Why? What have you done? Well, I can't really mention it. <laughs> this is a of, PG-13 movie. There have been a lot of allegations against me. <laughs> you'll never win, Diddler. <laughs> Unfuck my kid. <laughs> More like you two. And then he kills him. <laughs> I swear to God, there's a suicide. <laughs> We're going to talk about. Uh, I'm a great. I'm a great cook. I'm a great cook. I made you those lamb tacos. You did. You, you are attest. a good cook. You are a very you good attest. cook. I'm, I'm, I'm. So I've gotten like really interested in like just chefs, like the story of like how like celebrity chefs have kind of evolved. Oh, okay. It's this very like recent thing, you know. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Makes sense. Basically, there was this guy who was a um, like a manager of like musicians, like um, I think it was Frank Zappa, but um, Alice Cooper for sure. But he was this manager, and he just kind of was like he became fascinated with like chefs. Okay, and then he just started marketing like chefs, where he's like Emeril Lagasse, like at the beginning, really? just like your thing is you say bam. <laughs> God. <laughs> when you uh-huh. just throw salt on anything, you're just like, bam! Like, I fucked it up! <laughs> this, I just owned that steak! <laughs> yeah, sure. You're my bitch steak, bam! I do love how, yeah, like it's some- clearly marketing people that someone, I guess it was this manager you're talking about, yeah. realized it doesn't matter what you do, your image can be anything. And mm-hmm. now we have, like... Tough guys, you make cupcakes. You know? that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Guy I run this shop like it's a fucking machine shop. Everyone who works in here is an ex-con, and we make cookies. Yeah. Ex-con cookies. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Guy this F- sugar was farmed in jail. Guy Fieri's <laughs> been going Super Saiyan for like 20 years. Man. He's just been on fire. Yeah, I mean, it was like kind of like the idea was like, you have personality. Let's put you on TV. You know, you have these really highly reviewed restaurants that then we can like franchise out. We also want to take your face and put it on products. You right. Know? Like really make you the celeb and somehow like your your spirit is embodied in the food or something. It's right. Like, it's very odd. Yeah, it's weird. Because I wish someone would do that to me. <laughs> well, yeah, I, w- I now wish that mm. too. <laughs> Can somebody please put Dave's face on any product? He'll endorse it. He, Literally anything. We we no, endorse I make, distilled jeans, and they haven't put Dave's face on them yet. I make custom motorcycle covers, <laughs> and I want to be I want to be the masculine uh, hero of that world. Yeah, <laughs> I make a, a like art artistic uh, computer pads for your mouse. <laughs> They're called ninja hats. <laughs> what for a Kawasaki Ninja? I don't know. Oh, I thought your, it was smart for your thing? my motorcycle covers. That was pretty yeah, good. They're called Ninja Hats. Okay, yeah, hats Actually, for that's your Ninja. Good. I'm Dave. <laughs> Come down and buy a Ninja Hat. 
It's not what you think. Here's a complicated explanation. Yeah, no, I'm not appropriating Japanese culture. Someone else did. <laughs> That is the best excuse for <laughs> colonialism ever. Hey, he did it. I'm just making money off of it. Yeah, it already existed. I'm just exploiting it. I didn't. I didn't like come up with slavery. <laughs> I, I'm just benefiting from it. You can't blame me. I just live in this world and exploit it. <laughs> Man, you would be the. I didn't best beat ad. that guy to death. I just stole his wallet afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, that's a be- slightly better class of criminal. I agree. <laughs> I'm not an eagle. I'm a vulture. <laughs> well, the thing call with, me a bald vulture. Like being a chef. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a good time sitting in this chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you gonna? Be able to do this episode? Uh, I don't know. You're riffing so hard. I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> Ooh, I, I Man, gave you too much coffee. You believe this? Beach defense. You believe this? <laughs> Man, it's pretty stop, intense. Stop riffing on the roof. <laughs> All right. Well, drinking coffee, sitting in a chair. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Dave. My name is Dave. I'm sitting in a chair. Breathe in, breathe out. I drive a hatchback. I live in Glendale. I'm really glad you, you kept us waiting an extra half hour for this. For you to just co-opt so the entire sorry. podcast with the most stupid riff possible. Oh, I have an iPhone. It doesn't have a headphone jack. Sometimes I fuck, sometimes I don't Life is weird KFC There's no God KFC, there's no God Sometimes I fuck, sometimes I don't KFC Alright, let's take a break for five seconds Let's take a break for five seconds Okay And we're back I'm good, I guess I just needed to get it out of my system Holy crap I hadn't been able to have fun yet Fuck because I hadn't had enough bananas. <laughs> oh, dude, it's the potassium. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's literally coursing through your veins. Yeah, exactly. I feel really pumped, too. Yeah. You know. Potassium, man, you know why they call it that? Because <laughs> it makes you feel like pot does. It should be called potassium. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. All right, we got to take another I, break. <laughs> Dave is broken. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. We take a break and then we come back and it's just silence. And I'm like, yes, Hampton, go on. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Do you want to take a break? And, and then I'll, I don't know, I'll get some electroshock therapy. <laughs> no, I'm good, dude. Let's do it. <laughs> mm. Electroshock is the only proven way to degay your son. To calm down. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The only, your son. The only scientifically proven <laughs> And there's like a chart with like gay levels dropping. <laughs> You'll see if you look at the chart I made. What's it's so oh my god, that's so fucked up because there are definitely people that think that way. Like oh, a yeah. meeting between a mother and father, like, okay, so he's definitely gay, right? And they're like, Yeah, like what do we do? Like, do we like stop giving him fruit with dinner? Uh <laughs> Do we? Oh my God! He, oh my God! He drives a station wagon. Uh, what, what, what? Do we? Do we buy him a convertible uh, m- instead more, of a station more wagon? More spankings? Less spankings? I don't know. I think we should hit him more. I'm yeah. in the dark. Yeah, hit but him, we move we, away from him. We shouldn't hit him on the butt. <laughs> Gay people like the butt, so we got to stop hitting them on the butt. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a great point. That's should great we get point. rid of the pool? 
<laughs> just like <laughs> awful people. Yeah. Oh my god. But they just keep going with this until they just starve to death. <laughs> yeah, totally. They don't take any breaks. This is after die. the end of the world, and they're in a bunker. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Oh man. So besides but, hot riffs, I also enjoy French cuisine. <laughs> here we go. One of the uh, more interesting. Uh, you know, centers of cuisine because it's like where all the focus has been for like the last like 50 years. Totally. Isn't that funny? My whole life I've heard about French cuisine mm-hmm. and like I still have in my brain that the French are the people that do food right. Also, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Also laziness. You know, I was looking into <laughs> at why that, yeah, Dave, they're not lazy. They invented ass eating. That takes genius and creativity. Yeah, also hard work. That's also the height of French. How many things height do you of French think cuisine they ate is... before ass before they realized? Well, that's what ass. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's the height of French cuisine. Wow. Yeah. You have to go to a like a fucking three three Michelin star restaurant. Yeah, man. They seat you down. They bring up a little cart of asses, <laughs> and you try all the asses. Anyway, that's the thing. Yeah, in America, we just straight up. We're so American about it. We just eat whatever ass is in front of us. <laughs> In France, they marinate it for weeks. <laughs> well, the kind of obsession with French cooking, which really is from America, because when we like something, then it gets international, like, you know, attention, basically. Right. Because we have TV and we have, like, movies and production of stuff. You know what I mean? So, Or we especially did. Yeah, we win. Post, <laughs> Post-World <laughs> War II, where... All these Americans were coming back from Europe and they'd been to France and they came back and literally were like, shit in America sucks. Yeah. Like I had a croissant once. It blew my fucking mind. <laughs> like, it's so, I'm imagining an America that like, you guys had coffee? And we're like, what? Yeah. They we just bang our head against the floor until we feel awake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like coffee was like swill, like people, right. you know, it was like something you had to do to like stay awake. It wasn't yeah. an enjoyable thing. And what happened was Julia Child uh, came back uh, and she was like, right. I learned all these. Uh, and that was the woman who lived with the monkeys. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Jane Goodall not only lived with the monkeys, she seduced them. Mm. We're going to talk about her on a later episode. <laughs> Julia Child was uh, Helen Keller, I believe. Uh, no, wow. she was uh, she was the tall she, woman on TV. Helen Keller, great writer. <laughs> <laughs> Not such a good reader. But, uh, Julia Child was like on TV and just, you know, he, she was like, here's French cooking. Mm-hmm. And so Americans really started to learn about like sauces and doing this, this kind of complicated sure. cuisine. And, and it's shaped. And like wearing a bandana around their neck and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Bandana around there, yeah, because they're tough. <laughs> oh yeah, like Guy Fieri now and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I get it. No, like the <laughs> the stereotype of a French person, the red bandana around their neck with like a with like. Oh, a, you're right. I always think of the beret, beret, and a beret. Yeah, and like a white and black striped shirt, big lollipop. <laughs> no, nope. They're, you're you're moving on into another stereotype they're ki- now. They're kissing a dog. <laughs> no, uh, uh-uh. uh, nope. <laughs> Wait, this chef we're about to talk about, Mm -hmm. see the guy who invented Lunchables? Because I love Lunchables. It's actually Lunchable. (laughs) It is French. Yeah, it is French. from the Alps. Yeah. It's French for delicious. (laughs) Delicious uncooked mini pizza. (laughs) Yeah. Like are you a prisoner? <laughs> Would you like your child to feel like a prisoner? <laughs> Give him a Lunchable. <laughs> yeah. Buy Lunchables at your local <laughs> bodega. I, Thank God you got out of that room. I so don't well. know. 
Man, landed it. Really won that one, yeah. Man, Fly low, beach defense. It. The thing is, I'm having, I'm so nervous to say this guy's name because it's so French. It's Bernard Loisieu. I believe. But I Holy keep, shit. So I'll just say Bernard from now on. <laughs> like it's, it's, how many it's O's and I's are in that name? Uh, 34. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Loisieu. Okay. Yeah, you actually have to eat ass while saying it. How do you Mid spell sentence. his name? Uh, he, you spell his name. Uh, it's Bernard Loisieu. It's a B E R N A R D uh, L. O I S E A U. Wow. How you spell his name. Loiseau. Yeah. 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 Uh, Lois. So he's Lois. very he's very French, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he kind of came up in like this um, at this time period where like French cuisine being dominated by people like Julia Child and getting that kind famous was all about like big hearty portions, and it was still like you should feel like full. Like, oh sure. You know, isn't it an expensive meal? You must have ate a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, American. And now, when you think mm -hmm. of like fancy food, it's like little tiny yeah. things. Here's you know? a drop of lemon juice. <laughs> That'll be five. And one thousand. square inch of bread. <laughs> yeah, it'll be five thousand. We're, we're taking your children <laughs> in yeah. exchange for that cracker. That'll be one child. I'm Julia Child. You know how I got my name. <laughs> <laughs> she steals children <laughs> like a Russian fairy tale. <laughs> I love the idea that we like we're like our maybe in America we were like, yeah, French food is better. And, and then we're like, all right, here's a huge fucking croissant. It's huge. <laughs> yeah, rack of lamb. Here we go. Yeah, it's just like crazy, you know, portions. And it was like all really also based in like very heavy sauces and stuff. Sure. So kind of the reaction started to happen where, so this cuisine starts getting famous. More mm -hmm. people, what year kind of are we talking about? This would be in the 1960s, okay. Basically, where this is all kind of hippies starting up. Yeah, kind of weirdly, like everyone in France, like who was a hippie, became a chef, like wow. instead of a hippie, because there was no like culture like that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it was like very like uh, counterculture almost at the time because the. The culinary world was like changing from like suddenly there's influx of money, chefs start making money and then they buy their own restaurants and then you have chef owned restaurants for the first time. So the, then it's like, what is the chef programming for like the meal? What's it going to be? You know, like, oh, sure. what's his unique thing? It's not just French cuisine. It's like, what's his thing? So you're saying it was it was until the 1960s. It was like before the 1960s, we didn't have restaurants where the chef just like had the thing he was making that day and you would show up and eat it? Not really. I mean, like wow. chefs were like basically kept like it behind doors. Sure. You know, like you and like the conditions of kitchens were actually like way more dungeon like they would describe it. Like wow. it just was like a danker kind of possession to like be Like stand up. <laughs> like you know grinding they, it. You, on you know how stage. they treat us. Keep us in the basement till we perform. <laughs> so suddenly, you know, it's like you know, once chefs actually have like some input, like it just explodes like French nouveau cuisine. Sure. It was all about like, how do I make like the least amount of ingredients possible? It's like seasonal, like things are very like uh, in tune with how like the customer would want to eat. It's very mm -hmm. odd. Like it's this weird relationship. And what I find with like, um, like people's description of like cooking, it's like you have to be like an artist and an inventor. Like, it's both sure. things. Yeah, like, yeah. Especially when, like, Nouveau took over, because it became a lot about presentation also. 
where right. you would just have like a huge hunk of a thing. It was like, well, it's also this art. You're right. Before that, we were just Cro-Magnons. Like, I don't care what it looks like. I like it. Taste. Ate it. I don't even care how it tastes good. I just need to be able to fight. I just want it to be a dick in my mouth now. Yeah. <laughs> Put the amount of vitamins and minerals in my body so I can kill people. <laughs> <laughs> I got a gear up for Vietnam. Yeah, totally. Yeah. My neighborhood's fucked up. <laughs> so this guy Loazo. Yeah, so he was like um a pretty regular kid, it sounds like, uh, in the sense of Oh, like, we're starting a child kid. All right. <laughs> well, you like <laughs> uh, well, let me go back either very when when his parents were fucking to have him, <laughs> crazy thing happened. <laughs> My cat is Jojo. Like making noises. <laughs> You got a hairball. Jojo got Yet he a has hair no ball. hair. I have a phone. Do the math. <laughs> it's very odd. Do the math, Jojo. <laughs> <laughs> well, when Bernard, uh, I guess, was growing up, he just dropped out of high school, basically. Okay. Because he kind of like showed like an aptitude well, he was hungry. cooking. <laughs> he wanted to start cooking right away. Yeah, he wanted to start cooking like at like, yeah. a really young age. And his dad was like a... It's a dumb note to the story. His but dad like, hated food, and his dad hated food. <laughs> his dad and he was, was like, a- Dad, I'm quitting high school, and I'm going to go make food. I'm going to be food. Not in my house. <laughs> no one eats dinner in my house. Dave, that's the <laughs> Chef Boyardee biopic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Mamma mia, I'm going to go make Americans overweight. You just watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go feed him a diarrhea. <laughs> and I'm gonna put a diarrhea in a can. <laughs> just, just one man. <laughs> just one man makes it all. <laughs> so he drops out of high school. Yeah, and he starts uh, tutelage under these. Uh, Ooh. Uh, these guys, the, they're called the Trois Gras. I think brothers, the two ducks. And I think, like it's. I don't know how to really say the name. It's so fucking French. Well, but, trois is definitely three. Yeah, at some like variation, you know. Trois. I think, yeah, at some uh, set point, it probably was three gooses. <laughs> that was how you got a name back then. My name's Earl, and uh, I got three gooses. My name's Earl, and so I'm a TV I'm, show. So I guess I'm Earl Trois. <laughs> I'm Earl and I'm a TV show <laughs> for a while. Yeah, for a minute. <laughs> then it's gone. Yeah, Jason Lee, very funny. <laughs> very Shout funny out, guy. man! To, uh, loved my, him ever since Mallrats. To my life coach, <laughs> Jason Lee. Thank you. You've yeah. really shown me the way of Zenu. <laughs> um, recently, I moved on to Jason Biggs. Well, what was great with uh, Bernard's like you know tutelage under these guys is they were like of the like first three or so chefs that were like really starting this nouveau like mm. cuisine thing yeah. and chefs like to talk to each other. So they're very aware of like, it's just like artists, you know, like in a community where they're like, Oh, I just heard he's doing this. Like, Oh, sure. Oh, crazy. You know, like, and he's you really just, going for it. Yeah. And like, everyone's Bam. really excited at the time, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I heard about this guy, Amaral in New Orleans. Like he's still on, Salt and pepper on shit, yeah, like smash cut to him, like fighting a crocodile while he's just, making a sandwich. <laughs> I just heard about Bam! This, this, this guy, Guy Fieri. Man, it's like he's he's doing crazy things, man. man. Dude, he's putting cheese on fried cheese. It's crazy. <laughs> he put a chicken inside of a cow and shot man. it. <laughs> man, he made a restaurant, a whole restaurant, out of guns. Yeah, uh, I'll, have gun. I'll have the gun. I'll have the gun, please. Yeah. And a large gun for my wife. Oh, my God. Is that how Bernard Loiseau killed himself? <laughs> 
He did kill he himself with a gun. He was at the restaurant made of guns. He did kill himself with a gun, which is very odd in France. But he had like kind of a lifelong love of hunting. And that like really influenced his cuisine. Like a lot of like what was interesting about the philosophy of nouveau cuisine was like using stuff in your environment that's very local. And so it's like if you go kill pheasants and stuff, like cool, that's the thing you're going to be serving, you know, until you get bored of it. Sure. You want to move on to something else. Sure. The other thing is like it's so competitive as an industry because it's like France takes it oddly very seriously with like the Michelin stars. Oh, yeah. And Michelin is like a tire company. <laughs> like, it's so bizarre. Is Oh, I always thought that those were two separate things. No, it's the same company. Whoa. And they did it because like cars were just kind of starting out like early 1900s. Okay. And then Michelin was like, how do we get people to buy more cars? Let's build out this travel guide so people want to like travel and stuff. And like, so you tell people like, there's this incredible restaurant like that you'd never even know about, you know, pre-internet. Wow, interesting. And so, like, these Michelin stars started to, like, really affect businesses where it's, like, if you got a Michelin star, your business would go up, like, 40%, 50%. And as you got more, you know, you could charge more. It changes, like, the whole dynamic. Sure. You know, and, like, uh, you definitely start seeing, like, a lot more business. And the other thing is, like, uh, my mom owns a restaurant. Like, it's a cafe and stuff. But well, it's like, a way to drop a bomb on me. But, like... <laughs> <laughs> Dave, do you want to go? Yeah. Um, but just like o- opening a restaurant is like one of the most like highest rates of failure, like possible of like opening uh-huh. businesses. Like they're generally in debt right away, right? Because it costs so fucking much to just set up, and then it's like, are you saying this because I just opened a restaurant? This is not nice. <laughs> D- hmm? Dave's wacky shack. <laughs> nah, dude. We it's called cunts. <laughs> and I'm sell it to me. So I'm, all right, I'm cunt. Okay. And I, <laughs> I, and I don't understand why this business isn't doing well. Why are we? Why are we not getting any business here at Dave's Cunts? <laughs> yeah, we we only make bull dicks. All different. Sometimes they're pickled. Sometimes they're fried. You know what the fuck? Sometimes they're fried and pickled. I can't help but think like how beautiful it is to just have a podcast that just survives by a Patreon because Samantha B just got like fired for saying Ivanka Trump was a cunt. Yeah, but we didn't call anyone a cunt. I called myself a cunt. Uh, Samantha B was like, I'm a cunt. I don't think she would have gotten in trouble. All right. Skip white. (laughs) That would have been great. Everyone was like, whoa, you're not a cunt. You fucking idiot. Fire! She's beautiful. Fire that beautiful cunt. <laughs> you don't. You are beautiful inside and out. I didn't think you were a cunt until you said you're a cunt. Now I agree and fuck you. <laughs> Suicide buddies rated NC seventeen. Suicide cunts. <laughs> we fuck you with suicide. <laughs> wow, I'm so glad America's ready for for this word <laughs> to become cunt, most cunt, liberal. Cunt, 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 cunt. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Are I'm you in... listening with friends? I Did feel... you just start playing this and your friends got in the car? <laughs> cunt, cunt. You're a cunt in the back seat, Deborah. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm in jolly old England. Yeah, bam, cunt. <laughs> what if he said cunt instead of bam? What a weird world. <laughs> <laughs> Throws salt, cunt, and everyone's like, "This guy's a genius." He's the Tourette's chef. <laughs> Motherfucker, God, fuck, piss, piss, piss. He just piss, swears. piss, piss, fuck, cunt. Oh man, yeah, he's just Blink One Eighty Two lyrics. 
We're like seven hours into this podcast, and we haven't <laughs> talked about this dude at all. <laughs> at uh, all. At all. Well, he, uh, no, I mean, we're getting into oh, his uh, his personality, which is important. So it's like, and also the the circumstances that are around him. So it's like, also as this, like, kind of celebrity culture around French cuisine starts building, like, it gets so competitive. Sure. And it's like, he just... Um, on his road to getting like the three Michelin stars took him like 17 years. And that's just what, for him to like open up his own restaurant, you know, and then he had to continue that business for just so long. To, wow. It's like, you have to like maintain like your record. Sure. Cause the way so Mich- he had to crush it for 17 years. He had to crush saying. it for like, yeah, like 27, like 30 years wow. of just crushing it. And, and then what happened? I mean, he, he well, his thing was, uh, you know, like uh, doing very like uh, minimalist, uh, um, like cooking that really like tried to just have like the essence of the chicken, you know. So it's like oh. people are, you know, starting to get dazzled by him, and he's got like a great personality. Mm. He's like, you know, um, larger than life. He's a little guy. larger than life, but he's not like too commanding. But that's the other thing is like with a suicide in like the chef world is like kind of bizarre because they're. Very commanding presences. Right. Like, they're very, like, sure of themselves. And you are guiding, like, 60 people. Right. Especially when you're a chef-owned restaurant, and it's like, here's the game plan. And, like, you know, I live or die by this. My, you know, my whole business lives or dies. So you have to right. be, like, extremely confident. So he had, like, manic-depressive uh, bipolar oh, throughout wow. his life. And that's, you know, his Was life. that diagnosed back then? Yes. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. What year are we he talking about at this point? got a diagnosis in, like, 93 of that. Oh, okay. So, oh, yeah, just to, like... And I, sorry for yeah, uh, yeah. cutting no. you off. But uh, just to get a little bit of idea of the timeline. So you're saying... He was a young guy getting into cooking around 1968. Right. And then... Uh, leaves the Trois Gras guys at like 1972 and then is working in a restaurant uh, that's called uh, Le Cote d'Or. And he works there for like the rest of time, basically. There was like a small non-working period just before he got that job, but like... Is that, how's it, does it translate to Golden Coast? Is that what it is? Cote d'Or? Oh, I actually didn't, I didn't have time to look it up, but that probably makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's like he worked at that restaurant giving them like all their Michelin stars like oh, for that okay. 17 years. That restaurant used to have three Michelin stars in 1930 and it just fallen into disrepair. Wow. Like it was still this like cute place, you know, like it was an ideal spot, but it just like completely, you know, fell, fell sure. off the rails. And so he comes in and like... Kind of like Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly like Larry the Cable Guy. He was at the top of his game in 1930. (laughs) Now he sucks. Now he's a piece of shit. (laughs) And his cooking, uh, Bernard's cooking, like, kind of got a reputation of, like, you know, he cooks, like, the essence of the thing, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And uh, that kind of became his, like, uh, catchphrase or, you know, like, associated with it. The essence. Sure. Yeah. So he opens his own restaurant, what, in like the 80s? And then by the 90s is when it's sort of like the shit? No, I think it's like, uh, it's not till like 93 he's got his last um, Michelin star. And he's also like earned enough to then buy the business over completely. And he was like a very savvy guy. Like, so he's. Wow, so this is a really long journey this guy went on. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you, and it's like, 
this is where it also kind of gets tragic because you can get very set in your ways. Right. And as I'm saying with this uh, like form of, you know, it's art. It's art. So it has to be totally. very fresh, yeah. cutting edge. Plus, you have to be inventive. And that kind of like bites him in the ass eventually. Because his whole thing was like, I'm trying to like really bring you French cooking like in the most purest form. And it was very successful for a long time. Mm -hmm. But then that kind of became popular. And like that became like the go-to of like, well, if you go to like fancy restaurants, you're going to get tiny portions, you know? Like suddenly it became a different kind of stereotype. Sure. And so for years, like he's... uh, He's, again, like very charismatic, so he kind of sells his likeness to a lot of like frozen food, like things that he helps create. Like he gets his own lines of things and like he's very proud of it all. Like it's all good. But um, it's exactly the dude that they based uh, that chef in Ratatouille off of. No he d- way. He doesn't look like him at all. He, he wasn't a big fat guy? He's not. Uh, no, you know. No. Uh, but he's like very like, Fat guy. That's the nice way to say it. He's <laughs> like, like, anyone wow. can cook. And like, he's like, oh, okay. also like the whole like selling your persona thing was like kind of a plot point in Ratatouille and everything. But like, anyway, uh, he uh, just had a lot of success for a long time. But then the, the problem is, is like. The cooking styles kind of started to change where sure. it got to be like modern style, which he kind of viewed as like this betrayal of French cuisine, you know, like what now is popular in like really high end cuisine is like it's a mixture of ingredients from around the world. Oh, sure. You know, we switch up like you can't even imagine like a sriracha bacon donut. Like mm. <laughs> that's not high end cuisine. Wow. <laughs> Our reverence points are <laughs> so poor. Actually, the saddest thing is now it's uh, they just put gold on stuff. Oh, just I've seen that. everything in gold. Man, I know. I've seen that. A gold donut. <laughs> Why is that appealing? I don't care. Can you just eat that in front of a homeless guy? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't just taste like good. <laughs> standing in front of the, the downtown LA courthouse. What, what are you guys doing, huh? You guys here for... Uh, oh. You guys got a ticket? <laughs> yeah, I, pa- I pack. My, I pack my lunch. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I pack no, it's, my uh, lunch. Yeah, it's it's gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I smelted. Uh, I smelted the gold, and then it's uh, in like a Bill Gates lunchbox. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. The, the the gold. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, ch- children had to get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, children. Little, little tiny children. Yeah, <laughs> I just had too much gold, so I figured I'd eat it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the guy who made cash for gold. That was his big plan. <laughs> yeah. I'll open a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> and someone was like, no. <laughs> you should just take it. So kind of uh, cutting forward in his life. He he had like... Man, uh, like Man bi- depressive bipolar. Bipolar, sure. depressive. And where that would kind of manifest is his business starts doing better and better. So you expand to other locations. He's he's taking on this, you know, sponsorship stuff. He's doing like TV spots. He's, you know, traveling the world and like trying to also help out businesses with like he gets paid to like choose their wine list and stuff. Oh. You know, he starts getting made into like a celebrity. Sure. And he becomes so famous that in France, like nine out of 10 French people can just like spot him they like he's there wow he's not like chef boyardee but he's he was very known <laughs> for his face you know like and being like hey yeah and like very smiley that was a big thing was like the way the french write about him is so like 
poetic almost. So it's like he would still have the smile, but you could see it was not as genuine as the years before. Like wow. things were like cracking, you That's, know? Wow. It, and like, so where his like stress and depression and like sometimes like really depressive episodes would happen wouldn't be like he'd be put in a strange situation, like have to go to Japan, have to like start a restaurant there. And it's just like, you know, he doesn't like the food, he, you know, like things start freaking him out. Sure. And then he would just get like suicidally depressed, you know, weird and not like act on it, but just like he was, he was like depressed, That's depressed. Yeah. Interesting. That sounds, man, I can totally understand how a person like that could get depressed from that. And I could be wrong with the reason, but like you said, like a chef is a person who runs the business, decides what food is made on a daily basis, has to not only teach a a a fucking kitchen of what thirty chefs oh, yeah. beneath him. It's a lot of people. Um, what to do, but then also run that entire business and manage all of those employees. I mean, that's a person who is used to having control. And so that was my first thought. Someone like that opening other franchises of his business, he can't be at every one of those every day. It would make him go fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, the quality assurance is like a big deal. <laughs> totally. To and how do you chefs. even do that? You you have to find chefs well, that you trust as much as you trust yourself. And you don't find a lot of people like that in luckily, life. What's pretty good with French Nouveau cuisine is like you hopefully like the menus are really like simple, simple. And they keep it like, you know, this is the planned meal. Everyone pays the same amount. Yeah. You know, like. So, it, you know, at least in that way, it's kind of like, it has to be that organized. Sure. Because if it was any worse, he would definitely go crazy a lot, a lot faster. So the stress of like, having to keep your Michelin stars is a big deal. Oh, sure. You know, because like, if you start to slip, then it's like, did you, did you not see? He went from three stars to two stars. What a loser. What a loser, you know? Yeah. But like, that's, he never really was in that much danger. Like, everyone really held him in high esteem, but they were like, it's getting a little boring, but it's still great. Like, he does his thing, he does his style, and that's all he's ever going to attempt to do. So people started to kind of see that, like, you know, now you, you'll have these, like, inventor chefs who are like, I, I've made, like, solid air that is a, you know, <laughs> you put gold inside and, like, yeah, you totally. eat it from a test tube, and it's crazy. You know, it's like... No one, uh, no one ever knew this, but you can get sustenance from eating a sweater. <laughs> it's Connor. O Come on now, the Connor Ober Sweater Emporium. It's not what you think. It's a restaurant. These sweaters are for eating. <laughs> Welcome to Omaha. Yeah, so he kind of he kind of like balked at that stuff, sure. and was just like, "It's not French cuisine." I'll tell you that. You know, like I do right. French cuisine. They're doing some weird shit inside of France. Right. You know, that's fine. But it's like, he was just getting a little bit older sure. at that time. He's like now like approaching, you know, he's in his 50s. So I won't say specifically what year, but yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, so he starts to get concerned with the Michelin stars. The way they do it is they just send a hundred Michelin inspectors around and you're not allowed to like you know, pay for their meal or anything. Like, um, they have to pay. They try to be incognito. Like, you never meet them. Wow. And, like, that's how they kind of, like, tell you how you're doing. Wow, so you're always nervous. Kind of, Wow. Yeah. He would get more and more nervous, and, like, he'd say, it's a Michelin man. Like, anytime there was somebody in, like, a type of suit that he just would be like, that's a guy. Like, that's a that's an inspector. Wow. So he's, he's on the job right now. Like, wow. you know? So it's like, all Dude. hands on deck. Like, it's just the stress levels are constant. Sounds a lot like doing stand-up in L.A. 
<laughs> Everything is comparable to doing stand-up in L.A. <laughs> it's pretty hard. I uh, Last night, I did a set, and uh, a person heckled me. Oh, good. And it was like, I just said in a joke, I was like, and I said to my girlfriend, and a, a woman in the crowd goes, you have a girlfriend? That's not real. That happened? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was just like, you're my favorite kind of heckler because it's so hard to even just fight. It's yeah. so stupid. Like, it's like you, if I was like, so I went to my job the other day. You have a job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was in my car. You have a car? <laughs> I once, I don't even remember what I was talking like, about. And someone in the crowd, they didn't yell at me, but they said to their friend super audibly, he probably has to pay for sex. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I like man. I don't but I do I don't but I would I do tip <laughs> Oh I tip No my dad pays for my sex How much do you tip for sex Like seriously 18 or 15% Oh yeah 18% 25% 18 18. years old <laughs> Oh my god <laughs> What percent age are you 18% <laughs> cool <laughs> Everyone I always tip 18 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <laughs> so Bernard starts getting depressed. Uh, more so, he kind of just starts audibly saying stuff to people like, I'm depressed. Yeah, like <laughs> he just kept saying the phrase, I'm a nothing. Wow. All the time. Shit. Yeah, which was pretty weird. And then he did tell his friend, he's like, if I lose uh, my three-star Michelin uh, rating, I'll kill myself. Wow. And, like, his friend took it pretty... He was like, I told him to go see a doctor, you know? Like, you know, he'd been seeing doctors, but never at, like... Never, like, staying with a therapist. Right. Because there's no time. If you're running a and restaurant... this is in the 90s? The late 90s at this point? You, well, no, this is now... Uh, well, actually, yeah, it, it is. It is. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's like the stress of... Uh, JoJo's got the zoomies <laughs> while we're fucking recording. <laughs> Jojo, relax, bro. Dude, he's gonna be. He's. Did you give him coffee? Yeah. Did you make my cat drink coffee? Dude, there's coffee? nothing on the TV, man. What are you trying to watch the TV he's for? He's freaking man? out. Yeah. Anyway, well, uh, yeah. So Bernard's getting a little bit more like vocal about stuff, and he's like just also very paranoid that he's gonna lose his rating. And then he is a uh, a little bit before his death. He's told not that he's gonna lose a star, but that like. In the nicest way possible, they're like, you're going down like two points, you know, but and they're like, you still are you like you defined this cuisine. You killed it. You know, it's always the same. We like that, you know. Wow. But it's like that. So the it's he just kind of took it at like, I'm I'm maybe just I'm done. on my way out. I'm done. And his, and his thing was also his business was set up in a very precarious position at that point where he was like very kind of overextended. Sure. So. This is a very real thing, like, w with these uh, food critics, in a sense, and, and the Michelin stars, because it's like, you know, this is, like, almost verifiable that it's like, if you lose a Michelin star, you're going to lose 40% of your business. Wow. So it's like, you have to, like, fire people. You, like, you take this so seriously. So when he you know loses I mean? two points, that doesn't mean two stars. No, no. No, it's just... No, it's on a 20-point system. Sure. And he went from 19 to 17. So he's one point already from shy of, you know, 20. He was doing very well, you know? Wow. And 20, 20 is four stars? There is no four star in Michelin. Oh, I they see. just go three stars. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Um, wow, 19 to 17. So he sees that as like the beginning of the end? Yeah. Okay. He kind of did. 
he was like, well, it's only going to get worse. Because like I'm saying, it's like once the blood is in the water where they're like, wow, hmm, he's down, down a star. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, it's just like the booking stop. Like it's such a, like a, a social thing, you know, that like it eventually, you know, could kill you. So what happened? Well, uh, he was taking it pretty hard. The day that he actually uh, killed himself, uh, he'd been working like to train some like American chefs that day, like at his restaurant, like typical business shit. Yeah. Went home to go take a nap and he was just alone for a while and he like took out a hunting rifle and shot himself. Holy shit. Yeah. Just once. Yeah. He killed himself and his wife like... This is where it gets kind of weird because, like, I was trying to really like understand why she was saying. She kept being like, "It's not because of the Michelin star rating." Really? She kept saying that. It's like he he's bipolar and, and and all that stuff, which is all true. Yeah. And um, absolutely, like you know, a lot of times when we talk about these, where it's like, "What was the reason?" Well, it's like he was bipolar, manic depressive. Like, yeah, yeah. So he's not really addressing that, and that's the larger issue. But I think there's a little bit of a thing with like. She's trying so hard for the restaurant to stay like in the good graces of Michelin. Right. Like if she said it's because of those damn Michelin people. That then did, they would just like downrate the restaurant and they, fuck the whole business up. Yeah, it would fuck up the whole business. And Man, then like the world is awful. And she's and she's like this really awesome woman who's like totally like works with the company like hand in hand to like, you know, make sure everyone's employed, like the all the franchises are staying open. Like, right. you know, <clears throat> and to this day. Uh, Le Cote d'Or has three Michelin stars. Really? Is that his restaurant? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't realize that that... Uh, oh, he bought that restaurant. Yeah, he bought oh. the restaurant he was working at. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it went very... It like, still has three Michelin stars. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I think on their website, there was one thing that said it was possibly two star, but that was, I think, on, on an average because the main restaurant still has one star, but then he has all these other locations that just have like one star. Wait, the main restaurant has one star? Yeah. And then there's other restaurants that the company owns. Uh-huh. And uh, they, they're like one star. So I think on like an average, you'd be like... Wait. You said the main restaurant has one star. Yes. And then the other ones have one star. Res- sorry, I must have not said the that right. The main restaurant has three stars. Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry, I guess I said that wrong. Yeah. Wow, right. crazy. Yeah. Man, that's so interesting. I mean, yeah, the thing is like... I mean, if you listen to a bunch of episodes of this show, we basically say the same thing every time, (laughs) which is like, whatever the reason is, there's whatever the the on the surface reason is that someone committed suicide, it always ends up being other factors. It's, Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone reacts to life differently, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, so a person with depression, who or especially someone with like real mental illness, like, well, it's all real, but totally, there's always an inciting event too, generally. I'm interested but it comes in like, from that. yeah, like what people had to do in the wake of that. And also like, just to point out that like, it really is like real financial repercussions that it's like, yeah. they, they're like, you'll lose 60%, you know, 40% of your business, then 50%, then 60%, and then you're done. Wow. It's just like, what do you do? So, and he also had like a very interesting way of like, he put in a lot of money into his, the place itself, like he put in like $10 million over time. So that's, you know, partially where he's getting overextended. He's just trying to keep the place, you know, together looking nice. Yeah. And, um, he went for like a very like countryside look when like everyone was doing very like elegant restaurants that looked very like modern really stuff. And yeah, he was like kind of still keeping the French roots 
And uh, it's partially, you know, the reason there are still restaurants like that. You know, it's like he just kept it, you know, going, kept it popular. Huh. You know. Man. He was a savvy guy, too. Like, as I said, like, he, you know, got involved in, like, sponsorship and stuff. But he also made his company, like, the first, like, publicly traded, like, restaurant tour uh, wow. company. So he's, like, had stocks amazing. for investors and stuff. He was, like, really savvy. It's really interesting uh, to me uh, how, how much, if you think about at any given moment in the world, how much pressure is being felt you know what i mean mm-hmm. and where does pressure really come from i think so many of the stories of suicide just involve some version of external but also like not oh, literal yeah. pressure yeah yeah uh, it's the combo you know it's like yeah. what do you do when like your brain is already chaos and then your outside world is starts validating <laughs> that, totally. all that chaos yeah you know i mean i have a lot of uh personally i have a lot of problems with when, when i'm running something i end up being a little bit of a control freak and i like it's a thing i've like been working on over the years because i'm very worried about something falling into disarray and i won't be able to manage it because mm-hmm. sort of like it's pretty easy for me like in the yeah. past when i was younger i would just let a lot of things go and then uh i wouldn't understand what was happening in my life and so in order to solve that, I sort of got in the habit of like getting everything in order. Wow. And so literally like I will feel I'll be at my weekly stand up show, which is a free show in the back of a bookstore. And look, Nerd. it's a perfect show. <laughs> Obviously, it's incredible. <laughs> no, it's great. It's actually. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's really good. It's a really good show. Um, but it is also just it's a free show mm-hmm. in the back of a bookstore. Still and I will just like be standing back there and I watching people arrive and you know, we've set up all the chairs and everything and people are just people. They sit down and they like move stuff sometimes mm-hmm. or they'll like there'll be like gaps in the audience. Yeah. And I will be standing there looking at it, being starting to feel myself getting filled with pressure. <laughs> like I have to go in there and make sure everything's OK. I have to solve this. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the lightest version of this even in my life. And it stresses me out every week. Wow. It's such a weird thing. Like, that comes from nowhere. That doesn't matter, that pressure. It, well, it comes well, from m- the history of my life. It comes but, from mounting pressure. You know, it's like, right. I think a lot of times, like, say, people who feel this, like, you do need to take time off. You need time to just be yourself. Right. Not associated with, like, a lot of responsibilities. Which is, like, you know, something that, you know... Hopefully, people can do. Like, I understand there's like financial burdens and stuff, but also with creative efforts, it's like you probably shouldn't be driving yourself crazy with you know things that you know are supposed to be fun. Yeah, every day. Well, that's kind of my point. Like this, that pressure. If you look at it from the outside, it would. It's not a big deal at all. It's a thing that's important to me, but. And obviously that pressure could never mount to me like being me committing suicide. At least it's obvious to me. But as a sort of case study. uh, Yeah, sorry, guys. (laughs) This is not a suicide story. As sort of a case study for pressure. Yeah, sort of like it's just whatever is inside of you that you feel defines you in some way or has something to do with your well-being. And then it mounts and then you do it to yourself, right? Mm. Like if he could have stepped back and, and been like, well, this restaurant does not matter as much as my own life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he had a family, you know? Right. Like, people who cared about him. Totally. And Uh, losing two stars. I mean, but it's... Something that someone kind of... uh, Just when I was looking up this sort of stuff, like, 
this thing that's happening with with chefs now because yeah they have to keep being so inventive uh and so stay cutting edge and that was really where he started to feel very left behind kind of like stand-up comic <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> true so like what chefs now do are like they'll only be open for half the year because the rest of the time they're just preparing making Inventing. sure it's all like go- gonna go smooth wow whereas he was like every day had to work it was working Wow, I wonder if that's why a lot of places people do pop-up restaurants because they can just mm. do it whenever they want. Yeah, I mean that's actually very fair. I yeah, mean, like you see the success of food trucks and stuff like that. And yeah, it's like, totally. <laughs> low overhead. All you have to do is drive a truck through a school and you make money. <laughs> that's all you got to do. Just be ISIS. <laughs> food truck ISIS. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, welcome to ISIS crepes. <laughs> <laughs> Man, our Bing crepes God. are gonna cut your head off. Benghazi been crepey. <laughs> Dude, this was great, man. Thanks, man. That yeah. was fun. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Talk too much about cooking for <laughs> for a while. It was great, though. I uh, and man, I love ratatouille. So <laughs> love ratatouille. Anytime I learn more things about ratatouille. Um, is there a place to pro- like uh, put up your tour dates or anything? Else? Oh yeah, they'll be on my website. Uh, they are on my website, DaveToTheRoss.com, and oh, I'll sweet. be posting about it on Twitter and shit. Yeah, it's funny. I put that tour together. I got back from tour what three or four three weeks ago four weeks ago yeah and I've just been like I don't know man I I, I think talk about pressure with writing that script for so long yeah which I guess I should say didn't get picked up yeah. just so you have the information Boo. I know lame but it's okay I feel generally okay about it you know like being a comedian is just a series of crazy different types of jobs and that one oh, yeah. was what it was oh and, yeah move on to the next thing i'd say the um, biggest problem was your script was called the big gang bang theory yeah cunts it was called cunts <laughs> <laughs> and it was about I my restaurant yeah you did the whole cunt riff you did earlier like that execs are just like okay wow. um, i like it <laughs> um and i guess i think uh, man i've just been so fucked up and exhausted for like seriously putting oh, so yeah. much i i have never put more pressure on myself in my life, dude. Actually, before we end the show, I think this is a this is a cool like a, a cool small story to tell. I, uh, you and I both work so fucking hard at this, and uh, and it's funny. Like when I was in the middle of writing that script, I during when I was writing the first rewrite, I just could not find the story that made everything about the pilot and the show itself make sense. And uh, I felt like I had everything else, but the story of the pilot, I. I must have rewritten it five or six times mm-hmm. before turning it in mm-hmm. to uh, the network for the first rewrite. And at one point, I had this night where I was like, I was just like, I can't do it. And it was weird, man. It was like the first time in all of comedy that I've really thought I'm not able to. Oh, really? I've always thought like I'm bombing. I'm bad at this. I will figure out how if I keep working. I'm seeing. I can see how I can get there. But But I've been trying so hard over and over again. And I was like, I I literally can't. I have been stopped. Yeah. And it was this awful thought where I was like, it was the first time ever in comedy where I I came. I was I was like building toward tears at being upset at my abilities. Mm. You know, like. 
sometimes it just gets hard and you're like, fucking cry, right? Well, uh, good luck with all that. <laughs> That's like the worst person ever. Uh, Yikes. Wow. Sounds like someone is a little bit of a pansy. (laughs) Looks like someone could use a hug. Someone's got a case of the Mondays. (laughs) Seems like you need to be be, you're all brain, no dick. Uh, (laughs) Um, Anyway. We got to go to Vegas. No, just joking. I, uh... (laughs) Yeah, man. And then I like, I, I don't know. It was weird. The next day I felt better and I just started working again. But it was weird. It was yeah. like, I was so upset. It was so much pressure. And I... I uh, That's true. Anxiety it, is really just this thing that eventually hits a breaking point. Yeah, man. And I w- it was just such a weird feeling of being incapable. I'd always thought it's hard. This is hard. Yeah. It'll take a long time. I have to learn all this shit. And uh, I feel like I was wrong. I feel like I like... Yeah, no, you, know, totally. you just gotta learn how to you do gotta it. work through it. But and that's I've a, never felt truly incapable before that moment. And, it was and, weird. And also, um, it's really awesome that you were able to like actually move through the moment, like sure. push through it. Because it's like, the, I was talking to Baron Vaughn about anxiety recently. Mm-hmm. And I think the way we were talking about it is like, it's like reality is in this mirror and it just breaks and it's a thousand little worlds. Suddenly, that's the moment of anxiety where you're yeah. like, you see all the possibilities, and it it's crushing because you're just like, there's it just seems like you know unworkable. There's too many possibilities. Exactly, it could go bad yeah. in so many ways. It could go good in so many ways. It could it could like fizzle out in so many ways. You know, and yeah. it's like, and at a certain point, that's just becomes exhausting. Sure, and that's why anxiety often just leads to depression Absolutely. because you become exhausted by life. Well, and the feeling, and also, I mean, there's a third thing that we don't talk a lot about: uh, death games, death games, <laughs> which is stress, which yeah. is. Which is basically anxiety, but I think it's a separate thing because anxiety sort of like sure, sure, uh, yeah, it just comes from a different place. Anxiety is like I think. a feeling, and stress is like you know real. <laughs> yeah, it fe- stress things around you. Stress is sort of suffocating, whereas anxiety is sort of like makes you sweat. Stress makes you like feel tight, and I you combine all those three things, and it's so hard to push through. Oh yeah, but yeah, the reason I said all this is that uh. Man, so much stress, and I think that's why I've been home for four weeks, and I've been fucked up. And I think, I think really, uh, I need a vacation. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Dude. So without even really thinking about it, I like I have two weddings to go to, and then this weekend in Austin. And I was just looking at my calendar like a week ago, and I was like, "Oh, this is a tour. <laughs> <laughs> I have a tour coming up. Wedding I better tour. promote this. Yeah, oh, shit, dude. Yeah, so you dude. just added more pressure to yourself. Yeah, I think this summer is gonna be a lot of sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Come out to Dave's anxiety tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling anxious across America. Will people show up? Yeah. <laughs> am I okay? Am, 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 am I okay? Uh, man, this is a really yeah. great episode. Well, guys, uh, also check out uh, Patreon episodes. Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Suicide Buddies if you want more more of this fun, lighthearted stuff. Fun. Honestly, the Patreon episodes, real, real loose. Have some fun. Real goofy. Uh, check you guys uh, next time. Later. Bye.
Hey folks, this is Hampton here, and I know that Dave and I tend to make a lot of jokes about suicide, and we don't take it that lightly, actually. We really would prefer if you needed any sort of help that you would reach out to some sort of professional who could help you, because we are poorly equipped to do such. We would recommend that you would call 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. It's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. They honestly do incredible work. They will talk to you and they will hear you. We want you to stay with us. So thank you.